The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Refuge Church, as we've come together this morning confessing our sins, I want you to remember that Jesus has forgiven you completely if you've come to him humbly, seeking his face with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. You are forgiven. What good news is that? I'm going to pray first as we begin that God would bless the teaching of the word, that he would speak through me, that I would uh, just be present to be uh, his voice here in this moment. So let's seek his face together. God, I pray that we will rest in you this morning. God, there's a rest that seems often so inaccessible to us. For how hard it is for us just to slow down our pace, even take a nap when we need it, and refresh our physical body. God, there is a deep soul rest that many of us just don't know. Like when you met that woman at the well in Samaria, and, and you said that you had water, that if she drank of it, she would never thirst again. And that's what we want today, God, as we read your word. We want to drink your words. We want to drink your truth. We want to be filled by it in such a way that our souls are eternally refreshed. So God, give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see you. That we won't just go through our weeks physically, but spiritually because you have made us spiritual beings. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Refuge Church, we are in the third week of our five commitment series, which means we are on the third commitment. Quick reminder of what those are before we dive into our introduction. The commitments are simply this. The first is that we will commit every day to find time to pray, to memorize or remember, and to worship. Pray, memorize, and worship. The second is this. It will take two times a month to fast for half a day. Maybe some of you want to fast for a whole day. Um, but it's time to hunger after God. This week, the third week, we're going to commit together as a church to be people who uh, volunteer three hours a month somewhere. We find somewhere to volunteer and give our time three hours a month, but also to, to share what God has given us generously. Uh, we want to share what God's given us. And, and hopefully today, uh, in this time, you'll be helped in just identifying what God has given you, and you'll live with a thankful heart. And a part of that thankfulness will be generosity towards uh, other people. Now, as you can see, each one of these, as we go through them, um, they're not large uh, tweaks to our life, but these things, I believe, if we start doing them, lead to a seismic shift in our souls. Uh, the fourth is that we will share Jesus with four people every month. That's about one a week that we'll intentionally share the good news about Jesus with somebody. And the last is uh, five, that we will 
commit to five times reading and journaling through the Word of God, that we're going to be people who study His Word to know it, and so that we can be people who obey the commands of Jesus. Oftentimes there's these things uh, that Jesus made plain that we pretend are mysteries. We wonder, God, how do I really follow you? What does it really mean to love you? And Jesus simplifies that. If you love me, you're going to obey my commands. And how can we obey his commands if we do not know them? And so these are the five commitments, and I want, I want to encourage you to really take these things seriously. I, I have them on a three-by-five card, and I read these every day. Um, so, with that reminder, let me get into our introduction that we read for this series. We are defined more by what we do than by what we say. In the Bible, we are told that some will meet God in heaven expecting to enjoy their forever home only to discover that they never really knew God. Jesus says, many will say on that day, Lord, Lord. And God will respond, I never knew you. How will God greet you in heaven? Have you really known him? We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus, but declaring faith is only the first step in following Jesus. God invites us to a personal experience of his presence and power on earth. You're invited to a personal experience of his presence and power on earth. These five commitments will not save you. They are a way of living that will help you share the life of Jesus, walk in the Spirit, and show the goodness of the born-again life here on earth. It sounds like extravagant promises, and it is. It is. There is a well of refreshment for your soul that is accessible if you come and follow the way of Jesus. And, and, and if there's one thing I want to do as a pastor, it is help you do that. <laughs> to be disciples of Jesus. So today, the third commitment, uh, serve and give. The big question for today is simply this. Are you ready to meet Jesus? What will make you ready to meet Jesus? Now, this isn't a, this isn't a, a should not be a surprise for us what it is like when we die and we meet Jesus. But unfortunately, many of us act as if it will be a surprise. And we live with great uncertainty about what that day will look like. Jesus, in this uh, long uh, teaching before he, he gives his life away, um, he shares a story about that final day. And it is very clear what it will look like. You have your Bibles, you can follow with me. Matthew 25, 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all, all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd, se shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take the inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. 
Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in, needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will look to those on his left and he will say, Depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. And they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteousness to eternal life. What it will be like when we stand before the throne of God is not a surprise. It is not a pop quiz. There is a lie that is often told about what that day will look like that is not true. If you've been to a summer camp or been to a revival, oftentimes the way this final day is portrayed is incorrect. And it's told in a story something like this. When you stand before the throne of God one day, God will not care about what you've done. He will ask you one question. Did you know my son Jesus? That is often the way we invite people to become followers of Jesus. Is we show them this final day and we create a scenario that Jesus himself did not show us. Now, I think this fake scenario is very good intentioned and it has seeds of truth in it. It's persuasive because it focuses on the truth that is correct that Jesus saves. Jesus alone saves. Knowing Jesus saves. Now, I I want you to know this is what we believe here. It focuses on the fact that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Jesus, who lived a perfect life, died in our place, rose victorious from the grave, defeating sin, hell, and the devil. And because of his victory, we also can have a victorious life. That is the truth. But it is a harmful story that's told to imagine something that Jesus himself did not present to us. When we get to heaven, God is not going to quiz us about whether we knew Jesus or not. This is really important. And you, you might be feeling right now, what do you mean? Because that's your idea that you're going to walk up to the Father sitting on his throne and the Father is going to say to you, did you know Jesus? But let me tell you this, that is not what God the Father is going to say. He already knows if you know Jesus or not. He, like a good parent, knows who his son's hanging out with, right? He he knows who Jesus knows and who knows Jesus That's not a mystery. God knows our hearts. And so so 
instead of the father quizzing us, giving us a quiz, he declares what is true. Declares what has been true about our lives. Are you following me here? This is so, so important. We make it so much about what we know, as if, as if we can like almost live in a, in a library our whole lives studying about God and we'll get to heaven. He's like, you knew, you knew a lot. You knew the right things. But this is not what it will be like when we stand before the throne of God. This is so important because I think many of us are not living lives with Jesus where he is here and now because we have a wrong idea about what God is looking for. This might be extremely pivotal for some of us in our faith today because if we read this story about what it will be like when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him and he sits on his glorious throne and all the nations are gathered before him and he begins speaking we know what comes out of his mouth a couple observations on this and I, this is important as we get into answering our, our big question which is simply what will make you ready to meet Jesus so a few observations on, on Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Are this one, it will happen. What Jesus says will happen. It says when the Son of Man comes, because he is coming. It's not if, but when. When he comes. And it's not, this might take place. It, is, it will take place. All the nations will be gathered. And he will separate the sheep from the goats. This will happen. This event is going to take place like Jesus said it is going to take place. This is not a pop quiz. What Jesus has said is going to happen. And it matters what we have done. It, is, it matters how we have used our lives. The way Jesus described his followers are people full of Action, full of charitable, gracious, good, loving action. It matters what we have done. And it shows us where to find God on earth. It shows us where he is. And, and he can't make it more clear than this when the king replies, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. <laughs> Not only do we know what is going to happen that day when we stand before the throne of God, but we know where to find him now if we want to share his life. Look in the prisons. Look where those people are hungry. Look where people need to be clothed. Look to the refugee. Look to the person who has mental health challenges and they're living on the street. Go be with them and there you're going to find Jesus. They're going to find the heart of God. The last thing is, we know it's going to be a bad day for some people. That day where they stand before the throne of God. I mean, this is a very sobering, sobering ending. Then they will go away. Talking about the, the goats. Into everlasting punishment. But the righteous to eternal life. 
why do so many of us act as if there's uncertainty what that day will look like? And I think the reason is simply because it is hard to walk in the way of Jesus. So my goal today is to answer the question, how do you make yourself ready? You do make yourself ready by knowing Jesus. When you know him, then you take action by walking in his way. And that is how you make yourself ready to be that person who is going to where Jesus is leading us here. And we boil that down to two words, serve and give. Why do we serve and give? Because, very simply, that is where you find God. That is where you find God. So many of us want to share the heart of God, but we want to keep our schedules intact. We want God to fit around what we are already doing. We want him him to just be invited into the plans that we already have. The truth is, is that true love, God's love, is extremely inconvenient. Do not expect to be convenienced by the call to love like Jesus. The story of a good Samaritan that we read in the book of Luke is a wonderful illustration of this. The story of the good Samaritan is a story about being inconvenienced. It's a story about someone who is hurting and multiple people who, thinking they were pursuing the heart of God, walked around him so they could go about what they thought was God's business. But the story shows that God's business is helping the person who is hurting. God's business is helping the person that is hurting. Is that what we make our business also? Now I share this thinking of what this week looked like for me. Twice this week, I walked by two people sleeping in sleeping bags here on the Coffee Oasis property. It was inconvenient to take time to talk to them and see what they were doing, how they were doing. And looking back on those things, I I think, man, the person I was in the Good Samaritan story was the one walking around. Twice yesterday, driving, I saw, well, once driving, I I saw a a man who was very obviously um, reeling from the effects of drugs. And there's that sense of helplessness. What do I do? This person that was behind goodwill, I just dropped some stuff off, and this person was in a field, and it was very obvious that they were hurting. Uh, the other person, I was actually walking to dinner with friends last night, carrying a bowl of plums, and there was somebody who was obviously struggling with, with severe mental health challenges walking down the road. And I felt very helpless knowing what to do in that situation, and you might also. The Good Samaritan shows us what love is. Love is giving the best of ourselves. We don't always know how, but we are given this one life and the resources we have to make a difference, to show love, to show God's love. I want to be the person, and I want our church to be the kind of church 
that is inconvenienced, that allows ourselves to be inconvenienced because that is an expression of true love. And this is an expression that we learn from God himself. There is nothing more inconvenient for God to do than to send his own son into the world to save it. God is richly satisfied in himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit needing nothing else. God doesn't need to save the world, but God loves extravagantly. God loves inconveniently. And as an expression of his great love, as we read in John 3.16, he gave his very own son, God inconvenienced himself. And in Romans 8 we read, as, as Paul has this declaration of amazement, he says, and if God didn't withhold his very own son, how will he withhold anything else from us? Romans 8, read it. If he didn't withhold his son, how will he, if, he didn't, if we didn't stop at, at, you know, what would inconvenience him, but he, he let himself be inconvenienced by sending his very own son to, to die on a cross, then how will he not be inconvenienced in every way to make us a part of his family? And we are called to follow this same example. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that they lay down their lives for a friend. The greatest expression of love is to give ourselves. And yet that is not when we get in the most high-pressured or even low-pressure situations, I guess I'll say, um, this is not the way we express ourselves. We don't, we don't give. We, we take and we take and we take and we hold on to. Some of you will remember the, uh, this, the Y2K scare. Remember 1999? So many people were getting ready for what would happen, you know, when all the computers couldn't figure it out and uh, all would crash and, and you know, Markets around the world would just just dissolve. We stockpiled, right? And even now, when we think of fear over what will happen, when the plenty that we've enjoyed is taken away, we stockpile, right? We don't think about ways to serve and give. We think about ways to keep. That is our instinct. To be people that keep, not people that give. What does it look like to be people who love? It looks like people who give. That is what love is. What has God given us? A way you'll simply hear articulated often if you come to church, churches, is time, talent, treasure. And, and it goes beyond this, but I do think this is a simple, helpful way just to think about what we've been given, the resources, the valuable resources. Perhaps there's no more valuable resource than time itself. Give your time. Give your hours, give your afternoons, give your evenings, give your weekends. Now, now just saying that, I know a lot of you will just like go, you know, I need good barriers, and you do, you need great boundaries. Because you want your family to know they're loved. You want your kids to know that their, their parents care for them. You want your, you know, the, your friends to know that you haven't just abandoned them. But in, in your life, allow yourself to be inconvenienced and think of ways to give your time. Your talents, 
And simply this, give your knowledge. Each of you are so skilled and gifted. So skilled and gifted. There is no lack of strengths in this church. We have been incredibly blessed by brilliant people. All of you. God has given unique gifts to. What has he given you and how can you share that? Treasure. God has given us money, some a lot and some a little. And how do we be generous with those around us? Whether that is the widow's might and what you can do is you can give a dollar to someone who needs it. Or you can be someone who gives far more than that. How are we being people who are radically generous? How do we decide what to give and how to give it? How much is the question a lot of us ask? And, and the, <laughs> the simple answer is Jesus asked for all of it. God asked for all of it. But I think we're very helped by the example of Jesus. As Jesus walked in this earth, he is surprisingly picky with who he heals. <laughs> and I think... I. I think I'm just so helped by this because I think oftentimes, um, you know, I, I, I hit these pendulum swings where on one side I'm just like constantly running on burnout and the other side I'm like, like withdrawal. I need to go to a cabin and I like, I just need books, right? That's, it's like these two pendulum swings. One, it's like, man, I don't remember the last time I've been home in an evening. And the other time it's like, I don't even know if the people, I, like my friends know that, you know, I exist anymore. And that's oftentimes what we do. But that is not following the Spirit. We see Jesus walking through the earth. And sometimes he's literally like stepping over some people so he can get to the one person he's going to heal. Why? How, what's going on there? It's because, because Jesus would take his alone time and he'd be refreshed in his relationship with the Father and then he'd leave from there and he'd be full of the Spirit and he'd walk with the Spirit. And so, so what he was doing wasn't just his brightest idea and in inviting the Father to bless that, but he, he was following the Spirit and what the Spirit was calling him to do. And this is how we give ourselves. We give all of ourselves to the Father. And, and as we see what he's given us, we just steward that time. There's this beautiful story in, in the Old Testament that I think illustrates this well. It's the story of um, uh, Elisha. And honestly, I'll, I'll be, even as your pastor, I need to be honest, I don't remember if it's Elisha or Elijah. Probably should have looked that up. Um, <laughs> one of them. Uh, there was this, this widow who um, lost her husband, and, and she didn't have anything. Uh, her and her, her son were going to starve. And so um, the prophet comes to her home, called there, and uh, he asks her what she has. And she says, all I have in my whole house is this one single bottle of oil. This one single bottle of oil. And a lot of us feel like this. But God, what are you going to do in my life? All I have is this one little bottle of oil. That's all I've got. And the prophet, the man of God says, well, send your boy to get get the jars from all the neighbors. And she must be thinking, you are crazy. What are we going to do with these jars? There's nothing to fill these jars with. And the prophet says, I want you to take your little bottle of oil and 
as many jars are brought, I just want you to start filling those jars. And, and you've got to imagine, like, this just seems crazy. This seems like a wild act of faith. But as those jars that are so much larger than this little jar of oil get brought, she just starts faithfully filling these jars until all the jars that are brought are full. And she goes and she sells them and they have enough. That's what it's like to live in the Spirit. You will have as much as He is calling you to give. No more, no less. Now, so many of us, we just know our lack, right? We just know our one little bottle of oil and we hold on to it. Like, I'm going to just save this and save this and save this. I knew a family who um, would always tell my, my parents, you know, my parents uh, really, I think, are, are great models of the Matthew 25, 31 to 46 life. They've, um, they visited the poor uh, in prison and clothed those who are naked and fed those who are hungry. And uh, um, I hope to walk faithfully in their footsteps in doing that. And I have a lot to learn to do that. Um, what they did, though, with their few resources, and oftentimes as they lived, really not just paycheck to paycheck, because there wasn't a paycheck from the coffee oak for the longest time. It was, it was generosity of other people. But they were very generous with what they had, right? And, and just kept being faithful and saying, yes, what God was giving them, and, and there was enough. There was enough oil, right? And, uh, and yet there's a family that um, I remember who really admired my parents and their sacrifice. But they always had a reason not to do it. Though they admired it and they wanted to participate in it, it was always, well, we, we have, you know, we, we have, uh, you know, a newborn and I just don't think we're ready to that. And then they had another child and another child. They had three child and then children. And then they just, you know, they weren't ready at that part because their kids were getting into sports. And so, you know, they're they busy with sports. And, and all of a sudden, sports turns into school activities and school activity goes. And to this day, this family lives in a very secluded area and has never participated with life. This life, feeding the those who are hungry, clothing those who are, are naked. And, and that's, I think, a lot of our stories. Um, and it is important when we read this to hear what Jesus is saying. This is not what Daniel's saying. This is what Jesus is saying. Daniel is not telling you, when you stand before the Father one day, He's going to ask you, did you clothe those who were naked and do you feed those who were hungry and do you visit those in prison? That's not what Daniel's saying. That's what Jesus is saying. That's the picture he is painting for you. That, that, that will happen. So the question is, are you doing that? Or are we making excuses, you know? Well, you know, my, my ministry is blogging or whatever it is. You know, I don't, I don't know what we do or what we say. Find ways to prepare yourself for meeting the Father one day. That's, that's all I'm saying, right? And, and yet, that is hard words. So where do we start? Where do we begin? I love this quote from Mother Teresa, and she simply says this, if you can't feed a hundred people, feed just one. 
I think that's a really good place to start. A lot of us need to hear that. We're like, man, well, I'm not going to be Dave and Cindy, right? I'm not going to, I can't like do that. I'm not, I'm starting late, whatever it is, guys. If you can't feed everybody, feed one. If, if you see that one person is hurting, ask, Spirit, are you leading me to this person? Can I help in this way? Prepare your heart for meeting the Father one day. And so, so how, how do we make ourselves ready? How do we make ourselves ready? And, and so we're offering this third commitment. Simply volunteer three hours and share what's been given to you. And, and I want to make this extremely practical. So volunteering three hours, which is just a great beginning. And it's going to be inconvenient. It's probably going to be hard. You, you know, you probably are thinking of reasons you can't do that. Um, that's what I do. Uh, the first thing is we say find somewhere. Right? That's step number one. It doesn't have to be a perfect place. Just find, find a place in, in need. And when you volunteer... Be ready to be uncomfortable. This is like the one-on-one of volunteering. Don't wait till it's a, a space that feels comfortable. Because the reality is, even when we get to next week and, and we're talking about shared Jesus with four people every week, man, that's going to be so hard for a lot of us. And, and so for this, for volunteering, just be ready to be uncomfortable. It probably won't feel normal to walk in a prison and visit somebody, right? Oh, you're probably going to be terrified. But that's okay. Look for one person to love wherever you go. One of the things that's hardest for me, because I end up leaving a lot of things, you know that, and um, I, I find it so hard. This is one of the things that hurts my heart. When someone comes in and, and they say this, where is everybody? As if the people there don't, matter as if they just look past those people and what are we looking for when we say that so you come into an oasis center upstairs that's what i'm pointing out there's an oasis center where young people come and say you walk in and there's just one youth there is that worth your time is it worth your time to come every single week and talk with that one person to invest in them, make a good investment. For many of us, it's not. We want something more. Where is everybody? What are you saying about that one eternal soul that sits in front of you? Don't wait to be called, because you already have been called. And, and I'm not saying just rush into something. You, you might, uh, knowing that you're already called, it might be just that burden that you start praying and going, man, God, show me the place. I'm going to start looking up places to volunteer. I'm going to ask a friend who I know is volunteering. Whatever it is, uh, don't wait to be burdened because it's a burden God is placing on you already. Don't wait for it to be convenient because it will never be the right time. And commit. Commit, commit, to commit. What I mean by that is, don't make it a temporary thing. Because if it's a temporary thing, it probably will be just to make yourself feel good. It won't be for those that you are going to love. God showed his love to us by committing himself fully to us, not just for a 
period of time, not just for 20 years, but for eternity. That's what he's done to invite us into his family. He says, come into everlasting life. It's so hard for us to commit for even a year somewhere. <laughs> Let's be a committed people. And then the last thing, share what God has given you. Start by acknowledging what he's given you. That everything you have, your car, your house, your Pokemon cars, whatever it is, I don't know, your garden, whatever you have is a gift from God. Acknowledge that. Live thankfully. And now stop dreaming about the more things you can get, but dream about what you can give. I am 100%. This, I'm... I'm um, I am the example of dreaming about what I can get. Whether it's, and I was telling Hannah this this week, I, I said, Instagram is a tool of envy. I'm scrolling through Instagram and I'm like, that's a cool coat. I want that coat. And start dreaming, man, I can get that coat. Right? <laughs> this is me. I, this is honestly who I am. I'm like, wow, I need that pair of pants. No, I don't need that pair of pants. I have 10 pairs of pants. Right? But we dream about what we can get. Some of us, we live for retirement. You know, like, we're like, man, when that happens. And then Jesus tells a story about someone who had an amazing harvest. Amazing harvest. So big. This person built larger silos so they could store all that they got. They're wealthy. And the Son of Man came and he said, You fool, this very night your life will be required of you. Stop dreaming about what you can get and dream about what you can give. And I love, in, in, in the book of Acts, it has this quote from Jesus that isn't recorded in any of the Gospels. And Jesus simply says, It's more blessed, blessed to give than it is to receive. It's the blessed life, it's the happy life to be people who give. So give freely. Give without strings attached. That's what I mean by freely. When you give, let it go. When you, when you, someone needs their rent covered, let it go. Give. And then don't expect that person to be indebted to you. Give freely and without strings attached. Give faithfully, meaning make your giving an active faith, knowing that all you have is God's anyway. Give faithfully is an act of acknowledging that everything, everything, everything is His. And the last is give frequently. Many of us anticipate payday. We anticipate the frequency of what we will get. And we have some sense of satisfaction. We have some sense of constancy in that. How many of us are anticipating giving with frequency? If we every other week have payday. Maybe it's just setting up a rhythm where every other week we're thinking what we can give, right? Uh, we're praying as a family. God, open our eyes to see how we can share what you've given us. This is just a different life. This is, this is the Jesus life. And all this will make you ready for meeting him one day. So just to wrap up, I just want to be so clear. We are saved by faith in Jesus. It is the 
gracious gift of God that saves us. And God knows if we're His. God, it's, it, this is a verse. God knows those who are His. It's no mystery to Him. And so when we stand before the throne of God one day, God's not going to give you a quiz. Whether you know Him or He knows. He knows that already. He's going to declare. And I remember you. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me in prison and you visited me. And those who have dreamed about giving, dreamed about it, thought about it, how can I give? They will say, when? I feel like I'd remember that face. <laughs> when did we do this? And the king will respond, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. Refuge Church, let's commit to volunteering three hours every month. And let that be the beginning. Don't, don't just aspire to great things. Maybe just feed the person in front of you and share generously what we've been given. Now, before I pray, I'm going to listen to a time of communion. Um, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the elements of the meal and he showed the ultimate gift he was going to give, which was his very life. So he took the bread breaking it, he said, this is my body that's broken for you. And then he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you take this, remember me. And what he's saying is, whenever you take this, remembering my gift for you. Let's take this together. The Father I pray that, that you would just give us the refuge churches this sense today. How much we've been given. That even some of us who don't even know where our next meal is coming from can see the gift of Jesus. The eternal security, the gift of Jesus. Oh man, God, you've given us yourself, you've given us everything. And for those of us who are in the world's estimation, very well off. I pray that we, like Paul, in Philippians 3, will just go, I mean, I count this all as rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. I'm not going to hold on to it as if it's my satisfaction. I'm going to give it all back. God, show us, make us bold and courageous to give our very lives away. It's the greatest act of love as you modeled for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.